You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. And it's time now for David's Pick. And we have a very, very special guest on David's Pick today. I think most of uh, you will know exactly who I'm talking about when I tell you who it is. And most of you know him and know him for what a wonderful job he does at the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. We've got Colonel Rick White, Colonel Retired Rick White on today, and uh, we're going to be talking about the Hall of Fame, among other things. And uh, we'll get to Rick and get to our show right after we take our morning time out to... uh, Thank our veterans and our active duty folks that are, are on duty, and I ask that you just give them a, we'll just take a, a silent moment, and um, whatever faith you are, whatever belief you have, um, we like to honor all of those that have been in, been in or are in the military, and uh, we'll be back right after, in just a couple of minutes, we'll be back with Colonel White. Thank you for joining us. We uh, dedicate that portion of it to a friend of mine that uh, lost his battle with Agent Orange. And uh, we keep him in mind as well as the fact that I have a family member that's on active duty at the moment, as does Colonel Rick White. And uh, Rick, I want to do a shout out, if you don't mind, to your wonderful son, Graham. He is I, I've never, I don't think I've ever been so impressed with a young man as I am with, with Graham, and I hope he's doing well at the war school. Uh, well, thank you, David. Uh, yes, and I appreciate that. He appreciates that. He's uh, a little over uh, 21 years of service, active duty, and of those 21 years, he has spent uh, 43 months in combat between Iraq and Afghanistan, leading Army Rangers. So he, uh, uh, you know, he's actually got wounded very seriously uh, by an IED in Iraq in the early part of the war in 2003. Doing well, and uh, he's at, as you just said, he's at the Army War College uh, and scheduled to take a uh, an infantry brigade uh, next summer. Uh, so he's moving moving along and uh, humble and stays focused on his soldiers, not himself. So uh, 
Uh, we're, we're very proud of it. Oh, I, I can imagine, as I am proud of uh, my son in the Air Force, and um, you all, you and you and your wife have just done an incredible job, and uh, you should. And I, I know you're very proud of Graham. And so, you know what's interesting? I, I I've never seen a young man like Graham that is split in so many pieces. There's even a guy named Roger Wise that claims that uh, that uh, he's not the father, but, uh, you know, he, he's the special uncle to Graham. And, uh, you know, he's uh, he takes credit for Graham getting where he... Part of, part of Graham getting to where he is today. But everybody seems to... Uh, have have a have a little piece of Graham and and uh, what he's done in the past and everything from uh, playing on the same soccer team and playing on uh, this and that team and uh, I just uh, like I said I'm just thoroughly impressed and uh, I was delighted to have the privilege of of meeting him uh, a couple of months ago and uh, you can. <laughs> I went up to meet him, and I wanted to salute. And uh, I figured he'd look down on a little old man like me and think, what's this fool doing? But I got a funny story to tell you. So I think what you're referring to is the, the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame induction ceremony we had back in April of this year because of COVID. We couldn't do it we normally do it, which I'll talk about in a minute. Uh, we couldn't do it. We normally do it, so we had it in an open amphitheater there in Johns Creek at the uh, at the uh, Newtown Park, which is also the home of the uh, Veterans Walk and the Vietnam Wall. Anyway, so so Graham was there, and Graham is, is on the board of directors of the Hall of Fame. He's the only active duty member we have, and that was not by pressure for me. He just wanted to be part of that uh, years ago. So he, he, Graham, is the one that always reads the citations of the people being inducted. So uh, the story was told to me. Somebody said, hey, I want to meet Colonel White. And so, and of, course, of course, Graham had been promoted to full colonel in January of 2021, this year. And um, so so dad's a colonel, son's a colonel. So anyway, this uh, person starts taking the you know, they, hey, I want to meet Colonel White. So I think it was Roger Wise, actually, they've asked him. So Roger starts walking this person over to me as soon as they got close to me, and they knew me. They said, not that Colonel White, the other Colonel White. <laughs> so uh, so, so uh, we enjoyed telling that funny story. That uh, And he, he and, and Graham's very humble. He, he, he never focuses on himself. You can't give the guy a compliment if... Uh, you try to give him a compliment. He said, it's because David did so-and-so, or Roger helped me out doing it. You know, it, it, he deflects, he deflects those, any kind of active compliments, but anything that would go wrong, he'll take full blame for that. So, uh, he, he, he's a stand-up guy, and my wife and I often say, he uh, turned out the way he did, not because of us, but probably in spite of us. So, he, <laughs> he, uh, very, very proud of him. Oh, I, I would say because, not in spite. And uh, he is a wonderful yeah. young man. And, you know, <clears throat> Graham doesn't know this or, or probably doesn't realize what an important role he's playing in that I look at someone like Graham that's dedicated his life to his country and uh, 
he's still a very young man, and that gives a lot of us old people hope, and uh, that we do have a generation behind us that is going to take the bull by the horns and lead us in the right direction. And uh, yeah. I'm going to thank you for your uh, son's service in the Air Force. So it's, uh, uh, you know, we, uh, it's a team effort to uh, have supporting families that, uh, this, this is, this, I always tell people, I spent 31 years in the Army, I said it's not a, it's not an easy life, but it's a, it's a satisfying life. And so it's not, uh, you know, it's, it just takes a lot of um, dedication, hard work, and long hours and so forth. But uh, it's it's very satisfying. But it takes a family involvement, whether it's mom, dad, uh, husband, wife, uh, children, whatever. It's a team effort to uh, uh, again because this is a uh, you're you're really on duty twenty four seven. So. Well, he's on duty 24-7 plus now because they have a uh, three-month-old baby boy. No, no, you may have that uh, confused with somebody else, but they don't. But uh, but he, uh, he he's, he's dedicated to doing what he's doing, and he's got a wonderful, supportive wife, Carla, and uh, they make a great team. So uh, it's uh, fun to watch them. That's great. Well, I was talking about my grandson. That uh, oh, has, you're you're. I am so sorry. Yeah. So you're a grandfather with a three month old little boy. Good, good for you. Yes, sir. Thank you, Dave. And I, uh, I think he's destined for Texas A and M. So, so they're uh, carrying on the uh, Moxley name. So that's good. They're yes, like sir. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't. That may get him get a picture of him hung up on the post office wall. I don't know, but uh, no, it's. It's uh, yes. and Good I'm going to get to spend uh, Thanksgiving with them, so I'm I'm ecstatic about that. That's yeah. Anyway, so let's talk. Uh, you had a very good career, very uh, long career in the army, as in uh, spent time in Vietnam. And before we get into the Hall of Fame, just give us a little uh, background on on what you did in Nam. Well, let me start even before that. So my career started at age 10, and, and I'm not saying that in a humorous way. I'm really serious. <clears throat> I was 10 years old, and I grew up in Norcross, Georgia. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of, I live up, right now, I live about six miles from where I grew up. So I'm 10 years old. I'm in Sunday school. My teacher is a World War II Marine. And there's about five or six of us little boys. Uh, we're all 10 years old. And Mr. Johnson, he runs the he he runs the general store there in Norcross, and so World War II Marine. So anything Mr. Johnson said, we we definitely you know paid attention to. So I don't. So David, I don't remember any of his Sunday school lessons except this one. And at the end of the lesson, he said, "Boys, when you go home tonight, don't you start praying for two things." And we perked up and listened to what he was going to tell us. He said, "When you go home tonight, don't you start praying." for two things. One, I want you to pray that God sends you the right woman to marry. And we're 10 years old and we giggle. You know, I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're marriage at 10 years old is not something you're really contemplating, you know, greatly. <laughs> so we kind of giggled a little bit and he calmed us down and said, okay, the second thing I want you to pray for is God will direct, God will direct you to your life's work. And he said, because if, if you find your life's work, 
you will have a calling, and if you have a calling, you'll never, quote, work a day in your life. You won't have a job, you'll have a calling. That is a huge concept for a 10-year-old, you know. Sure. Mm, if I have the last calling, I'll, it'll be something I want to do. And so he kind of explained that. So anyway, starting at age 10, I started praying that every night, that God would direct me to the right uh, lady to marry and, and also direct me to my last work. Well, I will tell you, uh, request number two happened before request number one. So I had a, quote, calling to go in the Army, and I did at a, soon after high school. Uh, and then the war in Vietnam was going on hot and heavy. Uh, I guess I was doing okay in basic training and so forth. And the uh, <clears throat> company commander said, hey, we're, we're going to send you to OCS. And I didn't even know what that was, Austrian Candidate School. Anyway, I was commissioned page 19. Uh, at age 20, I was in Vietnam uh, as a platoon leader, infantry platoon leader, leading other other young Americans. After, after several big battles, uh, the reconnaissance platoon leader it was wounded, and I was made battalion reconnaissance platoon leader. And so I spent uh, the first year in Vietnam, 67, 68, uh, as a rifle platoon leader in the 4th Infantry Division and as a reconnaissance platoon leader in, uh, in the same battalion there. Uh, followed up that with uh, some training back here in the States and Special Forces Green Berets and Airborne and Ranger and so forth. Went back to Vietnam after about 12 months and spent another year as a company commander in the 173rd Airborne Brigade. Then uh, came back from that and the Army sent me to Army Flight School. I was ready to go back on my third tour. And about that time, the war was over and I was uh, stationed in Germany and uh, after that, 82nd Airborne Division uh, several times, and uh, stationed in Panama, Honduras, El Salvador, uh, served a good time in the Philippines and Bosnia and so forth. So it, it was a wonderful career. It was a career, and, and Mr. Johnson was correct. I had found my calling. I jumped up out of bed every day ready to go uh, be in the Army, and, uh, and I raised the my wife and I raised uh, two twin daughters <clears throat> and our son Graham uh, in the Army. And uh, those three children, of course, now all adults, that that was a great experience for them getting to live in uh, all over the United States and in Germany and in uh, Central America and so forth. So it was, it was a wonderful career. Now, I'll say this. That career, when I, had to, when I retired after 31 years of service, did not stop because I feel like God continued to answer that prayer of a 10-year-old because he provided me to be part of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. As far as I'm concerned, this is just an extenuation of the career I had in the Army, and I just uh, feel very humbly grateful to God that he has provided me this, that I can spend my time uh, honoring and uh, honoring veterans and, uh, and helping find other young men and women uh, go into uh, ROPC and those programs because we have a scholarship for that. So, If, if I were guessing, Graham, the one big difference between your calling to go in the Army and your calling to be the director of the Hall of Fame is that because of uh, your age, you don't exactly jump out of bed in the mornings. Well, there was a day I did, but I, right now I'm probably not jumping so fast. <laughs> but, uh, you're just sort of thankful that you're getting up, huh? Yeah, it's just nice to be able to open your eyes and 
the other day about the grass, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so, anyway no. I, I think what what you, your testimony is is fantastic, and uh, I hope that your uh, Sunday school teacher followed your career and and realized that he was a part of it. Yeah, and, and he's a really fine gentleman, good friend of my my father's also, and uh, he's he's passed on, of course, now. But um, he uh, and and I and I tell that story, that ten year old story, uh, as a ten year old, to. All any kind of I talk to veterans groups and, uh, and when I talk to youth, young people, I definitely make sure I tell that story. And um, I've had I've had a ton of times when people would come up, uh, young people would say, Colonel White, you, know, you were I remember you talking, you know, six months ago at you know, maybe and and I've been I've been praying ever since then for my spouse and my career. And I said, we'll keep doing it, you know. God's faithful, he will, he will answer that. And so it's interesting that, so I'm 74 now, so that's 64-year-ago story. Uh, that that one little uh, story or challenge or request by a Sunday school teacher in Norcross, Georgia, 64 years ago, it, and it's having an impact. Uh, I'm giving him the credit and God the credit having an impact on the young people today so uh, you, you never know what uh, uh, words of encouragement or so forth what impact they can have so uh, I, I uh, I'm real thankful to Mr. Johnson to uh, asking us to, to start doing that at age 10 so it, it, it prayer works you know this is um, <laughs> the influence that that gentleman had on your life like you said, uh, it's obviously been on in your life and a part of your life for 64 years. And this is something that is of great concern to me today is we have our influence from, in your case, a Sunday school teacher. In many other cases, it'll just be a, a teacher. And my concern today is what our kids are learning or not learning in school today. And uh, because of you, I've had the pleasure of interviewing some of the junior ROTC uh, instructors and realize that in some ways they're our last hope uh, because some of the things that our kids are being taught in school today are not what you and I were taught. And... Uh, and I, I would echo what you're saying. Um, what I'm hearing is that uh, civics and citizenship and history and so forth are not being taught or emphasized at all. And what, what you do get it with uh, ROTC, JROTC, Junior Officer uh, Training, uh, where there's Army, Navy, uh, Air Force, Marines uh, programs across uh, the nation, uh, they do get history, they do get citizenship, they do get responsibility, they do get, you know, understanding right from wrong and so forth. So those programs, and it doesn't, it's not really designed to be a recruiting tool, it's a leadership class. And so I don't know of any place that's ever says, we got too many leaders, we don't need, we don't need any more leaders, we need, you know, everybody seems to be hungry for leaders, whether you're in a department store or a grocery store or a 
or the military or the government or whatever. We, we need good, sound, uh, ethical leaders. And, and I really am convinced that the junior ROTC programs in the high schools and the ROTC programs in our universities uh, provide that uh, leadership uh, training. And I just encourage people, uh, it, again, uh, whether you think the military is a line of work you want to get into or not, that's really not the point. It, the point is the... Um, the maturity aspects you get out of uh, JROPC and ROPC. So. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the other thing that uh, the gentleman, uh, you know, we've talked about this to some, some length, and that's the respect of the flag again. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Where, you know, I, it just, it drives me crazy to think that, uh, Flags can't be in classrooms. That's the way we started our morning was the pledge to the uh, allegiance to the flag, pledge of allegiance mm-hmm. to the flag, and then uh, uh, actually we'd start with a prayer, then the pledge of allegiance, and uh, mm-hmm. it, it was just that was the way to start a day, you know, and you felt like that. Uh, the respect and uh, it just it, it was it was like in uh, basic and so forth there, there'd be a attitude adjustment period well that was our attitude adjustment period and we'd quieten down and uh, know that mm-hmm. we were about to go into serious business which was a classroom yeah. But, yeah, and since they've taken prayer to us out of school look, look at the status of our uh, schools across the nations uh it's uh certainly had not gotten better no and uh, and you know i, I reflect on uh, something i heard uh i think her i forget what her name was or ann graham i think that's a great what Billy graham one of his daughters mm-hmm. heard her say one time you know god is a gentleman and what she meant by that where he where he god is not welcome or wanted but he will quietly leave and then you're left with what the God left mess is is the result. So uh, you know he, he's not going to he God's not going to force himself on you. And if you don't um, if you make it where he's not welcome, he will okay he'll leave. And then you're up to your own devices to uh, which are not adequate. By the way, our human devices are not adequate enough to handle what we have to do in life. So he was asked to leave out of the classroom and look what we have. So um, I, I do tell you there's a glimmer of light, though. There, I'm, I'm finding schools, um, public, private, and whatever, that are adhering to the prayer in school and the Pledge of Allegiance. And um, so there, I think people are understanding it. It doesn't work so well when you take away those uh, basic things that we need to... Uh, as you say, start our day off. That's good. Do you know if uh, in uh, on post and our bases uh, can they? You know, I, I had read someplace just recently that they're trying to take prayer out of the military period. Uh, but do you know if the schools on bases and on post uh, can have a flag and? Uh, oh yeah, uh, that's uh, right. The given? Um, I, I haven't heard otherwise. Let me say it that way. Okay. I heard yeah. Well, let, let's get into talking about 
the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, and that, that was it. It was the brainstorm of Paul Longrier, correct, and uh, and you, and uh, we might just give a shout out to Paul. Uh, he was a uh, a chaplain, and uh, I guess at some point he recognized the need of honoring our veterans and uh, those on active duty as well and I'll let you take the story from there uh, yeah the, the chaplain part came uh, uh, actually <clears throat> after his military career uh, Paul I knew Paul starting in 1966 I was an officer candidate school and he was one of our tactical officers and uh uh, a rough guy. I mean, he, you know, but he, what he was trained for us to survive combat in Vietnam. So he, he trained us hard and trained us well. Uh, he was one of the six tactical officers that we had. So uh, anyway, he goes to Vietnam, and as we all go to Vietnam, and he um, uh, was in Special Forces. He was a Green Beret, and it was a big battle on the 6th and 7th of February 1968 uh, just the Tet Offensive going on and the Special Forces camp that he was at, at there had there were 24 Americans and several hundred Vietnamese and they were overrun by a North Vietnamese tank attack and first time tanks were used in Vietnam and uh, they were overrun by these tanks and by hundreds of uh, North Vietnamese now, of the 24 Americans that day and night and the battle lasted about two days of the 24 Americans there were 24 Purple Hearts uh, that means everybody was either killed or wounded uh, there was one POW one body has never, has never been recovered there was one Medal of Honor there was one Distinguished Service Cross uh, awarded uh, and a, a, a number of many numbers Silver Stars and Bronze Stars for Valor and so that Paul was one of the 14 that survived. There were, of the 24, 10 were killed and or captured, and uh, 14 um, Green Berets survived, um, and uh, but, but everybody was wounded. Uh, that pretty much changed his life, and he had not been much of a believer in God and so forth, but uh, he actually, he said that changed his life, and he dedicated his life to uh, Christian service after that. So uh, now, fast forward to 2012, uh, he, he, Paul, uh, lives in Pine Mountain, Georgia, but he grew up in Arkansas. And Arkansas had started in 2012, the Arkansas, Vietnam, the Arkansas um, Veterans uh, Hall of Fame. And he, Paul Longbeer, Silver Star recipient and so forth, was inducted that year in the very first class in Arkansas. So now he's driving back after the ceremony in Arkansas in Little Rock. He's driving back to Pine Mountain and he and his wife. And uh, I think she, he said she was driving next, but he was kind of over the other side. Kind of, she said, something's on your mind. What are you thinking, Paul? He said, I was wondering if Georgia has a, a, a Veterans Hall of Fame. She says, well, if they don't, I know they will soon. And uh, that was the beginning. And he called me, and we've become friends over the years, and he called me in early uh, 2013 and he told me about him being inducted uh, humbly you know, he was not bragging at all humbly uh, telling me about him being inducted into the Arkansas uh, Military Veterans Hall of Fame 
and he said, Rick, would you be interested in, I don't know what we're talking about here, Rick, but would you be interested in helping start a Georgian Military Veterans Hall of Fame? I thought about it for one microsecond. I said, absolutely. And so that was kind of the beginning. So wow. that was February of 2013. In, in November 2013, we inducted the first 18 into the Georgian Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Uh, and so ever since then, every November, we induction ceremony, uh, uh, inducting at least 15, sometimes it's more than that, uh, if you have a Medal of Honor recipient. Uh, so, so far right now, uh, Mike, uh, I mean, David, we'll have uh, our next induction ceremony is Saturday the 6th of November in Columbus, Georgia, beginning at 12 o'clock, and I'll give you more details in a minute. But when that class is inducted, we will have had 147 inducted their veterans inducted into the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. So um, that's that's kind of the, the back end story of where we are uh, today. That's uh, I mean you all have moved a mountain and uh, you're in a, a beautiful location uh, in my opinion the Floyd Building downtown right across the street from uh, the Capitol and. Uh, you all just uh, you you've you've done a, a fantastic job. Just I can't say enough about it. And uh, you know you've told me your I haven't been to one of your induction ceremonies, but uh, you said bring my own box of Kleenex. It it gets emotional. I mean, uh, it, when you hear these stories as the the citations are read. Uh, and then the veterans' picture is up. Uh, we do this in St. Luke Ministry Center in Columbus, Georgia. It's a giant uh, hall, if you will, with the big Methodist church then in, in downtown Columbus. And they can feed about 500 people. It's it's really a good venue. But anyway, the, the veterans' picture is up, and the picture is about the size of a an automobile. I mean, it's huge. Uh, and then this narrator is reading the okay, It's very moving. And, uh, I mean, you can hear a pin drop in the room uh, as the citation is read. And then at the end of that citation, the, the veteran comes forward. Uh, and many times in a wheelchair or on crutches or just because they're of age, or they may have been killed in action or deceased, and a family member will come forward to receive the, the medallion that is presented. And uh, it, it can, it's very moving because... You see this picture up on the wall, and many times they're a young, vibrant uh, marine, soldier, sailor, airman, whatever, on the screen. And then you see this 90-year-old gentleman or lady stumbling uh, forward proudly to come forward. And the, and the, uh, the, the comparison of what you're seeing on the screen and what you're seeing walk forward after all these years and decades to receive that recognition is uh, is, 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 is the motion going on. Oh, we nice. always describe the ceremony as the uh, the joy of a wedding and the uh, solemnity of a uh, memorial service. I mean, it's just, the, your emotions are all over the place. So, um, quite moving, quite moving. I can only imagine. And uh, the folks that uh, you've brought in are just and the ones that I've had the pleasure of meeting are just outstanding and you know this is something that uh, 
I guess a lot of folks don't understand, and you know very well that we've interviewed a lot of veterans at this point, but no matter their condition, you ask the same question, or I ask the same question, if your country called, would you do it again, or would you go back in? And everyone has said, absolutely, just where do I sign? When can I go? And um, that's the kind of people that are in the Hall of Fame, and it's the kind of people that served and gave the ultimate sacrifice. And uh, it's got a, from your standpoint, it's got you've got to see the pride that the families have of being there as the family member is inducted to the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And uh, uh, <laughs> I would venture to say during the ceremony, there are more goosebumps than there are goose in the world. It's, 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 it's emotionally, I mean, it's, it's humbling. It's humbling. I'll say this. Um, I've had people that have been to all kinds of ceremonies their entire life. Um, I mean, military, civilian, government, you name it, uh, type ceremonies. And I've had people tell us that, that that is the most moving thing, thing they've ever witnessed. And just, you know, so it's, uh, it, it gives way honor to these veterans that have given so much. And, and many times people think it's all about valor on the battlefield. That's part of it. But, you know, we have three categories. We have valor, achievement, and service. And uh, valor, again, is valor on the battlefield. Achievement is something notable. You've done something notable while on active duty. Uh, and then service is you've done something for mankind after military service. And some of these, uh, some of the ones that are inducted for service especially will bring tears to your eyes. I mean, it's just what they have done for their fellow Americans and the world, frankly, after their military service. Uh if we're not talking heroics, we're not talking getting shot or, you know, in battle, but we're talking about just helping other people uh, and giving their whole life uh, over to helping others, and that's the service category. So it's, uh, again, it's just not, uh, I've had, in fact, most veterans, I'll say, hey, you know, you need to be nominated in the Hall of Fame, and they're very humble, and they're very, uh, oh, I, I deserve that, but my opinion is if you served honorably and you did what the United States military asked you to do uh, you're deserving of at least being nominated uh, to the Hall of Fame because you, you did what your country asked you to do you raised your right hand and, and, uh, and, and, and did what the country asked you to do so I think that deserves recognition not everybody's going to get in the Hall of Fame but uh, at least being nominated is quite an honor you know I think as as I've interviewed different veterans, uh, you know, you you can't help but get the feeling always that this this is what makes us different from every other military in the world, any other time in the world, you know, or any other place, and we have. The most honorable veterans and 
I think there, uh, there there's there's just nothing comparable, um, and you know, I I guess I guess in a way it's all uh, sort of like uh, most of the veterans that I know. Oh shucks, not me, you know. It was the guy beside me, and uh, yeah, very, you know, humble, very stoic. Yeah, oh shucks, you know, and this is what's so beautiful about, yeah, you know, you were talking about Graham being humble. Well, you know, there there are a few that like to like to hear their voice echo in a room, but for the most part, it was always the guy next to them or in front of them or behind them and uh you know like i've kidded many many times and you can you can confirm this i'm sure that name one veteran that can tell one story it it can't be done they're full of stories and it's part of that not part of it a great part of that is uh david is their pride they're they're proud of what they did you know uh I run into uh, veterans that maybe spent two or three years and they were in Vietnam, let's say, just as an example. And they've become, later they've now become very successful doctors or lawyers or businessmen or clergymen or you name it, whatever field of life. I mean, very, very notable. And they will talk about their experience in Vietnam or their experience in World War II or their experience in Korea or their experience even in peacetime military. Uh, they'll be just brighten up and start talking about that, uh, even if they've accomplished great things in other parts of their life. So there's something to that. There's some sort of aura or brotherhood, sisterhood, something that the military brings out in people uh, that, uh, you know, just, again, I, I, as you said, can't find anybody, can't tell, a, tell only one story. I, and I think, again, it, it's pride. They're just proud of what they did and proud of the people they were associated with and they look upon it with uh we're very fondly you know oh yeah and this is uh you know i i've thought about this and, and mentioned it a number of times on the show you sometimes when you're going through basic AIT, why in the world are we doing this this doesn't make any sense at all and then here it is 60 years later or 50 years later, and I'm thinking, that's why we did it. And it don't, you know, the the military today, in my opinion, is a well-honed operation, and they've had 240 years to keep improving, and whether people realize it or not, our military is improving daily. And not just from the standpoint of equipment, but they're improving with the recruits, and they're repro- they're improving, in my opinion, with how they manage those recruits. And when they form a platoon and a company and so forth, uh, it's not by accident. It's all planned, and they and the DIs may have a grade school education but they got a PhD in in army or PhD in whatever 
whatever they're doing. And uh, they know what they're doing, and they know how to get the... They know how to make a team. I, I would say that's the first thing, wouldn't you, Rick? Yeah, and back to what you said about you know, why are we doing this. I, I had a, one of my NCOs that was training me way in the early days of my career in the Army, and he said uh, this. I never forgot it. He said, a lot of things we're going through, you, are, you don't understand why we're doing it but you will never have any experience or training in the military that you will not eventually rely on. And I tell you, David, for the life, I'm, I'm falling back and hearing things. It's an, and many times you can't put pinpoint, I did not know how to do that. Why, why do I have that attitude or feeling? Or It, it, it goes back to some of those things that you learned in, in the military. And... Um, so he, his words have been found to be true in my life that uh, many, uh, many of the experiences, training, and uh, so forth I had uh, in the Army and throughout the Army uh, have never failed me. It's, uh, and it, I also talk about uh, leadership. I've told people, you know, and I, in, in 31 years I had about a grand total of about two people that I did not want to emulate. I mean, they really just, you know, that's not a bad ratio no. <laughs> out of 31 years of service. Uh, and I don't mean they were criminals or anything. I'm just saying that just that their, their, their attributes are not what I would be looking for. That's not a bad ratio. And so, but I also, uh, I said, you know, you can, you can learn as much or more from a bad leader as you can a good leader. You can learn no to know what not to do or how to do something or how to treat people. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you don't experience the negative sometimes, you don't know how to uh, how to look out for that and uh, take care of that uh, if you find it. So uh, it's, uh, uh, I always tell people if the Army would just lower their standards and let 74-year-old guys back in, you know, I'd be first in line. You know, but, uh, <laughs> And I'd be right behind you because you're the leader and I'm just the grunt following you. Thank, thank goodness they keep their standards high and they keep bringing in these young, strong, smart young men and women and keeping their military strong. So I'm proud of them for that. Rick, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be back with Colonel Retired Rick White. That uh, You know, I'm just like what I was saying about your son, Rick. Uh, it's also true about you and I I can't think of anybody else that I'm more proud to say, well, yeah, I know. Of course I know Rick. He's a friend of mine, and I'm, I'm as proud as a June bug to be able to say that, and, and uh, I do cherish our friendship, and I appreciate it very much. So we'll be back right after this. Hi, this is Rocky Blair former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. 
This program, From Lawyers to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And you're back on David's Pick on America's Web Radio, and we are delighted to have our guest today, Colonel, retired Colonel, Rick White. And uh, Rick is a a dear friend, and he is the director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And let me tell you, if you haven't been down there, you need to put that in your bucket list and make plans to go. It's right across the street from the state capitol, so just look for that gold dome, and you're basically there. And uh, I'll just give them a little little extra plug. Is they're in the uh, sloppy Floyd building, the Floyd building, and uh, it has a great little cafeteria down in the. Uh, I think it's in the basement, and uh, I've been to it. It's it's good, good food, and. Uh, I tell you what, you can make a, a full day out of it. What time do you all open, Rick? I think the building opens. It's only during the weekdays. It's not open Saturday and Sunday because it's a government building. Uh, so I think uh, the doors are open at only six, seven, and I think it's still five. You, you could probably get a cup of coffee and a biscuit and uh, and gravy, huh? It is a good cafeteria down there, too. I, I believe that. Uh, good food and... Uh, reasonable price and uh, you, you, you better make sure you there's plenty of time at lunch time because everybody on Capitol Hill uh, towards Capitol Hill uh, <laughs> uh, takes off and goes there because uh, that's, that's the, the main gathering place for lunch and it's uh, really good uh, yeah and the, and, the, and the Hall of Fame is right there as you walk into the full building well let me back up before you get into the building outside in the plaza out there are monuments to every there's a name of every Georgian, David, that was killed in action in every war since the Spanish-American War. Wow. Uh, so it's, it's, that's awe-inspiring before you can get in the building. So in the, when you look at the World War II monument, my goodness, I mean, it just names after names after names. These, uh, and that's just one example, we got Vietnam, Korea, World War One, Spanish American, like I said, and all, every Georgia's going to be killing that out there in that plaza, and uh, and so and Roger Wise emphasizes all the time when he gives his before he leads people in the Pledge of Allegiance, freedom is not free. Uh, you know, it's it's not just something we should ever or can ever take for granted. 
So when you see all those names out there in front of the Floyd building, you know, boy, freedom is not free. Look at these lives that have been that are willing to give their life for our freedom that we enjoy every day. I think once you walk into the Floyd building, as you go to your immediate left, you'll see the 31 Georgians that have received the Medal of Honor. I always make a damn emphasis. A lot of people say, so and so won the Medal of Honor. You do yeah. not win the Medal of Honor. Uh, it's not a contest, you know. Uh, but anyway, the 31 Georgians. Now it's 32, by the way, because. Uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Colonel. Uh, <coughs> uh, we just had a, a Korean War veteran who's just in the service cross is upgraded in that level. You know, um, excuse uh, me. Ralph Tuckett, Colonel Ralph Tuckett. Uh, anyway, so there's 32 Georgians that have been inducted in the Hall of I mean, that have been received the Medal of Honor. If you pass by those. 32 uh, portraits uh, in the Medal of Honor, you walk into the Hall of Fame and you see uh, the current members of the Hall of Fame. So it's uh, it's, it's all inspiring. And uh, that that whole first floor, especially at the floor building, is just uh, a lot to see and do. Uh, I'd also encourage people, if they don't know it, I just learned this about a year ago, the Georgia State Capitol is, I didn't know this, maybe you do know it, is the official museum of the state of Georgia. And so our Capitol building is something all Georgians should be proud of. Uh, it's, uh, like I say, it is not only a place of government, it's also a museum. So if you haven't been to the Capitol and you haven't been to the Floyd building, uh, like you say, David, uh, I would put that on my to-do list uh, to try to get down there sometime and just uh, have a tour through those two uh, facilities. Well, you work your time. You know, Rick, something that we uh, we try to point out all the time. But as you were talking, I was thinking that, you know, as an individual or as a family goes and tours the uh, Hall of Fame, I would like to just instill one one thing in your mind, and that is, as you're walking through it, looking at the pictures of it could be a man, woman, whatever. But keep in mind that most of those folks had families and families that supported them. And they supported them while they were on active duty and then they had to take the brunt of the situation if those individuals have given, had given their ultimate sacrifice. And so as you're walking through, remember the families as well. They serve just like the person on active duty serves. They serve as a support family behind that person. And they're, they play a very, very important role. And it, and it takes a family <coughs> supporting them. And Absolutely, yeah. I, uh, I I really appreciate that. I was not married when I was in Vietnam. Uh, so my mother and father were, you know, uh, that was my Mexican kin. And uh, I really appreciated the way they supported me. There was never, uh, they never laid a guilt trip on me because I was, 
serving in the military, you know, look what you're doing to me, you know. It was never like that. They were very proud. They uh, supported me. And, uh, and my mother always said, uh, had, and back in those days, there were very few women in the military, but she said, had I been a, a man, I would have been uh, uh, right behind you or, you know, right there with you. And, and my dad, likewise, just very supportive. Then when I got married, uh, had a wonderful wife that supported it. And she, in fact, she always said, I, I hated to see Rick retire from the Army as much as he did. Uh, you know, she, she really enjoyed the life and uh, living in different places. But also, there were some times I wasn't around. You know, I was deployed or training and so forth. And so uh, she was back there by herself raising three children so uh, it, it, it takes a team effort there's no doubt about it and these uh, family members uh, of the military they need uh, they need all the accolades and praises uh, we can deliver so hey David let me if you don't mind let me tell you about a few of the people that are going to be inducted this year in the Hall of Fame is that okay? sure so this year we got uh, 16 the bylaws of the Hall of Fame say that uh 15 minimum will be inducted each year. Of those 15, 10 are in the Valor category. Uh, a combination, uh, the remaining five is a combination of achievement and service. So you might have two achievement, three service, one and four, totally all five. You know, it's just all combinations to make up the remaining five. So anyway, minimum of 15 will be inducted each year. If there's a, hall, if there's a Medal of Honor, recipient that is nominated that is not uh, that goes up and above the 15 so this year we have 16 because we do have a medal of honor a nomination uh, will be inducted uh, and again we have 10 in the valor category and this year we have two in the achievement category and three in the service category so um, let me give an example that uh, it's just not about the valor on the battlefield uh, these are all uh, so let me just tell you about the first uh, first one up under the service category and her name is uh, uh, Spark, Sparkle Adams and she lives in Forest Park and she has dedicated her life uh, she was a, she's an Air Force veteran and she has dedicated her life to others and her most notable achievement is back to what you and I were talking about uh, our uh, young people coming along our teens she started a program called walking in authority team council and what that does she does reach out to teens and adults and teaching them leadership accountability and empowerment and to date she's touched the lives of over almost 600 teens from many of them who have received uh, college scholarships in college and these are people that didn't have a lot going on in their life. So that's that's an example of service. Another example of service is something I think you'll be very familiar with uh, and touch uh, close to you is uh, you're very familiar, I think, with the Veterans Cemetery in Canton, Georgia. Am I correct in assuming that you know about that? Uh, well, I'm familiar with it, yes. Okay. The man that made that happen, his name is, he's deceased, Dallas Scott Hudgens, or Scott Hudgens, was a World War II, two Purple Heart recipient. Uh, he fought all the way from uh, D-Day through on Omaha Beach, all the way through uh, Europe, and uh, 
Uh, he was uh, came out of the army, uh, became very successful in the real estate business around Atlanta, and he was very philanthropic. And he wanted to be known as Mr. Anonymous. He would give gifts and money to organizations and people, but he did not want to be known for it, and he didn't want to let it be known where it came from. One of the things he did, uh, David, he purchased 775 acres uh, in Canton, up in this beautiful rolling hills, bought this land and, and donated it, dedicated it for Georgia veterans, and that's their cemetery. Wow. So it's about 15,000 already been buried there. So his uh, gift back, and he, he said what influenced him was all the uh, cemeteries he saw in Europe, World War uh, II, uh, some, something World War One, something World War Two uh, veterans are killed in action that were all over uh, France and so forth. And that influenced him, and that's the reason he bought and donated, dedicated these 775 acres for the uh, uh, the cemetery in Canada there. Wow. So, again, service to others. Um, we have also in the achievement category, we have the Army Aviation Commander when they killed Osama bin Laden. So uh, he was part of the team that took out this uh, terrorist that caused the death of thousands of people in 9-11. So he was uh, uh, the commander of that. Um, and then we have a lot of in valor categories. So these are just, uh, when you read these citations, and we certainly don't have time to go through all of them, it, it's humbling. It just makes you feel uh, the Medal of Honor recipient. He was a young 20-year-old lieutenant in Vietnam. And their position got overran, and he spent the next seven hours uh, uh, fighting the enemy and getting his buddies back to safety and uh, fighting with grenade, pistol, rifle, whatever it took to uh, charge a machine gun in place of and so forth. Wow. And we'll in the process. Rick, I'm going yeah. to have to stop you there. We're running out of time. But uh, okay. will you come back and uh, finish it? And uh, Looking forward to it. We will uh, talk more about the Hall of Fame and... Uh, We'll uh, we'll get you here before the sixth, okay? Sounds good. All All right. Right. Thank you, Dave. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a good weekend. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.